Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. Scott Wright is back with us again today. Scott's been teaching us about, you know, different things, different ages of the church, significant things the Bible has to say about history and, and the war in uh, Israel and Hamas right now. And matter of fact, since the war started in Israel back in October 7th, 2023, Scott's come on every week or so just to get us caught up, so to speak, on the situation, both in the natural and in the spirit. And he shares about what's happening in the Israeli-Hamas war as well as other insights into things we see happening around the world. So with that, Help me welcome back to the program, Scott Wright. Scott, it's good to talk to you again today, brother. Hey, great to be here and look forward to another great discussion. Amen. Now, today you wanted to share something about the importance of having one place to worship. What's the significance of that term? You know, it, it was it was strange. This last week, week and a half, uh, the Holy Spirit just kind of led me to read something, and I've been diving into this, and Every day, he just keeps bringing me back to the same thing, which he loves to do. And it really is comes from Deuteronomy chapter 12. And the more I read this, the more it really gives me an understanding of God's, really his direction for Israel. Because it, it really all is about one place to worship. So, you know, let's... Let's think about what's going on in Deuteronomy. Moses is basically giving his last massive sermon, mm -hmm. really more of instruction. And I always like to tell people when the book of Deuteronomy is, it, is, it might be one of the most important books in not only Jewish history and in setting their culture, but it's also one of the most important ones as Christians. And you think, yeah, but it's Old Testament. I said, well, <laughs> think about what Jesus quoted when he was in the wilderness, he quoted the book of Deuteronomy. Yeah. The book of Deuteronomy is one of the most quoted books in the new Testament. And many of the things that we believe are in the book of Deuteronomy. Christ, a lot of the Christian faith comes from this book. It is really a book of spiritual warfare. Right. In so many ways. So anyway, what I wanted to do is to just get into this a little bit, but the first thing that God or that Moses tells the people in Deuteronomy 12 is he is telling the people that God is telling them to destroy, to get their mindset in. They are going to destroy everything about worship that is not done towards him or the way that he wants it done. Mm. And notice I didn't just say towards him, but also the way he wants it done. So if you go to verse two, it says, destroy completely all the places where the nations are dispossessing. You are dispossessing, have served their gods atop the high mountains, hills, under evergreen tree, tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, burn up their Asherah poles, cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names 
from every place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in this way. It's not just, he doesn't even want them using their stuff to worship him. He wants it done his way. He wants them to remove every symbol of that culture because he doesn't want them to be reminded of things that would be very similar to what they were doing in the Egyptian culture. He yeah. wants to remove the Egyptian culture out of their hearts. That's what's happening here. And so, and of course, they've been wandering the wilderness for almost right at almost 40 years here. And all the people that came out of Israel, or excuse me, out of Egypt, they have passed away. And that was God's intention, at least the ones that could remember, other than Joshua and Caleb. And of course, Moses at this moment, but Moses is getting ready to pass away as well. He will not cross the Jordan. And, and God is really setting in place the culture that he wants them to take into this land because they're going to take it over. But God wants them to also bring his culture into Israel. And all about this one place to worship is it's not just that he has this place selected where he wants his temple built. But it's understanding that he wants them to seek it. And the reason he wants them to seek it is because in seeking it, it will keep them focused on him. Yeah. He knows, and and we can read other parts of Deuteronomy. We can get in Deuteronomy 8 and 9. He knows when people get fat and happy. <laughs> That's what I like to say. You know, they're kicking back and everything's good and everything's easy. That's when people go astray. Yeah. It is. And if you read and 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 when you if you fast forward to judges, you can see that it, it, that pattern emerges. They get fat and happy. God has to do something. He brings calamity on the people to wake them up, and they'll go through this period of suffering, and then they'll repent, and then they'll be reconciled, and then they'll work their way back to good graces, and then it's easy peasy for a while, and then the same pattern just keeps going over and over and over. So we back know that the, back in the day, we used to say idle time, idle minds. Exactly. I mean, look what got David in trouble. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. what got him into trouble is when the Kings were off to war, he stayed back. He didn't go where he was supposed to be. Yeah. He's like, oh, had he not been idle. You know, exactly. Yep. Exactly. And so he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And, and so part of seeking this place to worship was about not just where the temple was going to go, but it was about seeking him. And in our Christian walk, I think so often here's in, in, in this day and age, especially in the day of instant gratification is that we, we are trying to always, when, when we think God is going to give us something, we think it's just going to happen. We think it's going to be right away. We think it's going to be like this next moment, but in many times, to get to that point, and I've had God give me visions about things. I've been given visions that I have written down that hadn't even happened yet. And this has been 20 some odd years. Yeah. Okay. God wants me to seek him in that process. And it's the growth of my character and the working out my sinfulness out of me and burning it out, basically, that God really wants. The destination is great. But it's the getting there, and the getting there is all about seeking him. See, when we're focused on attacking our issues, just like Israel was focused 
on getting to that place, you have to focus on him to get there. And there's no other way. And what that does is that actually uplifts the cross because without Jesus and the sacrifice that he had for us, without his blood, his shed blood, death, and resurrection, we can't get there. Amen. We can only get there through that power. Does this apply to Israel today, though? Absolutely, because this one place to worship, which is kind of the other side of the other piece to this, is kind of a this is kind of two sided. Is that during this time period, this would set in motion the one place of worship, which is in Jerusalem. Obviously, eventually they would land in Jerusalem and realize that that's where it was—the city of David. You know all this stuff. So where the Temple Mount used to be, which is basically where the Dome of the Rock is now, where you have the, you know, the Wailing Wall and all this, all the stuff there in Israel, that area is where this next, this third temple is going to be built because it's going to be built in the same spot. At least we believe it is going to be built in that same spot. And Israel has not had that one place of worship since it was destroyed in 70 AD. Yeah. And, to, and, and so think about this. We've established that the Acts 10 vision was the start of the first age of the church. The Acts 2 and, and the building up to that was kind of the, the sparks, you know, is kind of setting in motion what would eventually come. And, it, and really think of the age of the church as the age of the Gentiles. Well, this temple is going to signify the shifting back from the age of the Gentiles back to Israel. And so eventually here, we're going to have that one, they're going to get that one place to worship back that they lost. They almost, not quite, but almost 2000 years ago. Amen. And so Are that's there. the, and that's really what that one place of worship means. And, and so it goes all the way back here to Deuteronomy 12. Yeah, when yeah. Moses is given his pregame speech, so to speak, before they cross the Jordan and, it's got to be one of the longest pregame speeches I've ever read, but so yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's definitely it, it definitely makes Newt Rockney look a little uh look a little short and without words. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, the, I can see the referees throwing a flag out on the field for delay a game. Uh, <laughs> come on, we're gonna start penalizing you. You're gonna be kicking off from the parking lot here pretty soon. You know? Oh my gosh, that's but, hilarious. But, are there signs that God provides his people, though, kind of like warnings when they're not heeding this call to having a one place of worship? Absolutely. So in Deuteron just in Deuteronomy 12 alone, you can go down and start with verse 29. It's a warning against idolatry. The very things that God is telling them to destroy along the way to get to this place of worship and in the path and the method and the way God wants them to pursue this along the way is it's all about keeping them from idolatry mm. and and think about what idolatry is it's not just you know i think for present day we need to realize that idolatry is not just worshiping like wood gods and right. sun gods and all that kind of stuff but it's anything that we give our uh, affection or our attention to that is equal to or outweighs God. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just face it, not even our children or our marriage should outweigh the attention and our hearts for the Lord. Mm -hmm. He, you know, think about this. 
he created marriage. He created you. He created your children. He owns all of that. And, and that's what idolatry does is it you're shifting ownership away from God to something else. Yeah. What you put your attention on. You know, exactly. it, 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 I, I was listening to a preacher one time and he's like, you know, talking about people coming to church, not really coming to worship. They're just checking the box so they can go home and watch the football game and stuff like that. Right. And he said, do you ever know that, you know, he's talking about the same thing, idolatry. And he said, people idolize their television. Oh, yeah. He said, you know, the first thing they do in the morning, get up and turn the TV on. Good morning, TV. How are you today? You know, tell me what's happening. And then the last thing they do at night, good night, TV. I'll see you in the morning. Click. They don't give God the time of day. You know, I mean, it should be good morning, Lord. What do you got planned today? And then what a great day, God. Let me sleep well tonight. Good night. I'll see you in the morning. But no, instead, they say good morning and good night to their television set. And uh, that's idolatry. Whether people realize it or not, you put everything in front of God. You know, and, and that, I mean, what you're talking about with this idolatry with Israel and all that, you know, are there... God always, before he institutes punishment, he gives warnings, just like we do to our kids. Don't do that. <laughs> and they know, you know, when when the tone of voice changes, they know dad is getting ready to take action, right? And does God provide kind of like warnings like that for people that aren't heeding this call? Absolutely. You can read in Deuteronomy, just, just even back in this time, in Deuteronomy 8, one of the things that the Lord talks about is remember the Lord, your God, remember the Lord, your God. And here is for our, for our day and age to relate it to now is that I always think the first sign is the key. When we lose our fervor, our hunger for God's word and our hunger for having to spend time with him, that is the first sign when that is, clicking off or and I'll use this one when we start to minimize sin in our life like well it's really not that bad another one one of my other favorites is when we we make somebody else's sin seem bigger than ours that's another way so those are signs that something's not not right because your heart should be hungry for him and that hunger is a lot of what, what he's talking about here in Deuteronomy. If you really if you really apply to the way that these people thought in that day and age and how the Lord's speaking, that's really what he's speaking about, is he's he's developing in them, and that was the problem with the Egyptian, the uh, first culture of Israel that came right out of Egypt, is that they feared him, but they did not have a hunger for him. They had a hunger for safety. Yeah. They wanted to feel safe. And God had already proven to them that he was going to keep them safe, but they didn't believe him. And their safety need outweighed their need for God. Hmm. And so do I think there are warnings nowadays? Absolutely. I think, I think we have, you know, in your own life, you can probably, he, you can probably sense warnings. You know, there's, there'll, there'll be little things, mm-hmm. you know, it could be, it could be simple as, um, you know, you're, you just, you're not 
feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, that would be a big warning sign. Another one could be, you know, when we talk about nations, um, we talk about calamity coming on nations sometimes just in weird, unexpected ways. Those would be big warnings. So warnings can be small. They can be big. God will give them. And then he'll wait what he does. And think about it. It's really about the pattern. It's about understanding the signs, just like I've described. And then there's a period of waiting when that when you don't, then there's a warnings and they, and they may start off small. They may not. God does it the way he does it. He knows your heart and then boom. Okay. And then he waits. Here comes the warning. It happens. And then he waits and what he's waiting on is repentance. Yeah. Amen. He's waiting on repentance. And, and I, I will tell you, Bob, I think one of the biggest issues in today is that people don't understand that repentance is not a momentary one second thing right it's a process yeah you know what it means to stop going the way you're going turn around and go in the other direction not to stop and say sorry about that and keep going exactly to turn around and stop going that way so i want you to think about this we again we can use israel's history to really teach us about repentance so what about it well Every year they have this thing called the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let, I butcher the name every time. <laughs> so, Rosh Hakana, I'm, and you probably can say it better than I can. Um, but there's a 10 day period where the people come together and they stop everything they're doing. And they, and, and Israel would, would bring in, they would line up their tents and, they would have the, of course, when there was a tabernacle, they were moving around all the time and they were closed. But even when they had the temple, everybody would come in. They would set at their designated areas. They'd set up their tents and they would start the process of reconciliation. They would bring their sacrifices. And of course, the priests would do all the sacrifices. And then they would, at that point, now, once they're done, of course, don't forget this thing starts with the sound of a ram, I think ram's horn. And then after they're done, then it comes into, they walk in, they do the sacrifices. Then the priests start cleansing. All right. They start washing their hands and their feet in the basin. And then they start going in behind the tent. And they go into or the first curtain, into what's called the holy place. Of course, you have the, uh, the seven golden lampstand, which is the lights. Which is the light that they have? They have the uh, the showbread for the on the table, the table of showbread, and then they have the altar of incense, and they're offering up all the prayers to God. And of course, the incense has to be done a certain way. And then on day ten, the day of atonement, the chief priest will be in his full dress. He'll go behind the next curtain, which was the one that was torn when Jesus died on the cross. And because he was the ultimate chief priest, but the chief priest would go in and go behind and he would sprinkle the blood up on the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat of God, which sits on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And he would sprinkle blood for a sacrifice for himself, for his sin, and then also for the sins of all Israel. But here's the thing. Those 10 days were exactly what you just talked about. What it does is it gets you out of your pattern 
and it makes you reconcile to God. That's why they did it. That's why God set aside a time, not just, he didn't set aside three seconds right. of confession. Mm -hmm. He set aside 10 days every year for them to follow. And there would be, and there was other feasts and things that would help them stay focused along the way. But this 10 days was all about reconciliation. It was yeah. about repentance. Every year they would do that. And it kept their focus on God and got their focus off of their life where they're not just in the same pattern all the time. Amen. What I, what I've had to tell people, I said, you've got to break this pattern and how you break the momentum. You got to do some, something different. Amen. You don't just, you don't just stop. You have to replace it with something. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if people, it's what you just said earlier. If people get bored, if they get idle, they're going to turn to sin. Mm-hmm. You when you when you're doing that, you have to replace that with something else. You can't just sit quietly by all the, the whole time and think you're going to escape that. No, you do it by replacing with something else, and that's what those ten days did. Yep. So how that's does this apply repentance. to us today in the end times that we see happening right now? Well, <clears throat> we people aren't following that 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 pattern of repentance. I mean, are people real? I mean, let me ask you a question. Are we too teaching true repentance in the church? <laughs> no. And so I would, and I can come on next time and we can talk about true worship and true repentance. And I can give you more details on that, which is stuff that I'm, I'm going to be publishing here that I've been working on. But real repentance is a process that you walk through. And it's not being taught. Well, guess what? What do you think the end times are about? Mm -hmm. It's getting people to repent. You know, I think I think everybody has this idea of end times being, okay, this is just God's plan and it's his his path and it's all this, you know, it's been these events and it's it's all this historical timeline stuff. The reason that the end times are happening is because of a lack of repentance. Let's, yeah. let's just get it right down to its mm -hmm. core understanding that the core issue, the core issue is a lack of repentance causes the end times. Yeah. God just knew that that's what would happen. And so he had to put, he had to put a deadline on this. He had to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, because it's like, if you're not going to repent, then we got to make a change. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like if you don't show up for work, eventually you're not going to have a job. That's right. If you right. run a business and you keep neglecting that business, eventually you're going to be out of business. Yep. God is drawing the line in the sand. I believe that's what the end times are. It's his drawing the line in the sand because of a lack of repentance and a lack of the truth. And if you read, and if you go back, to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 22, the first thing that that entire passage is saying when you get into the issues of this church is they have abandoned the truth. Yeah. And abandoning the truth is totally a lack of repentance. Amen. Amen. Well, Scott, as usual, it's been so interesting. How can someone reach out to you if they have any questions, like get more information, or maybe invite you on an interview such as this? How can they do that? 
Uh, just email me at gccgodcenteredconcept2038 at gmail.com. Amen. I'll put all that information in the show notes below. Folks, I can't emphasize enough how important it is for you to realize we are living right now in the last of the last days. The days that have been prophesied as the end times are here. Just drop down the show notes, reach out to Scott, and get in touch with him, subscribe to his podcast, God Center Podcast. Be sure to re purchase his journal, a God Center Concept Journal. And everything that he specializes in is God Center Concepts. Amen. Do it right now before you forget about it later. We're talking about forgetting what to do. Drop down the show notes right now, click on them before you forget about them later. Scott. I appreciate your time again, buddy, coming on the program, sharing all about this stuff. I do appreciate it so much. I look forward to the next one as well. Well, Bob, we all appreciate you, and thank you very much for having me on the show, and I look forward to our next one. Amen. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. For Scott Wright and myself, Pastor Bob Reminding, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.